day was begun uh, some time ago, and Murat Green is the head of it. And today's idea is to um, uh, to introduce school children um, to newspaper reading and um, how you read newspapers, what you can expect from newspapers, how you follow narratives in newspapers, what the main stories of the day are. Hence the day. Uh, Miranda, who has been in the past a press officer for the Liberal Democrats, has now run to Camel Waters um, into journalism uh, and will tell us how it's going. So many thanks for coming. Well, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, we are, as John has said at the day, involved in quite an experimental project to do with news media for young people, for very young people, because we're talking about school age children, secondary school age, so that's everything in the UK from 11 to 18. Um, and as John said, you know, I'm, my background is journalism and politics, and as I explained to you a bit about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it, you'll see that there's a sort of, <clears throat> there's a bit of a sort of socio-political mission to it, as well as this rather self-interested mission, which is of course that if anyone in journalism is to have a profession in the future, we have to try and make sure that the coming generations are actually interested in consuming what we produce and finding out more about what they want and what is useful to them. So um, I hope you'll excuse me if what I do is a bit explanatory because we are, we started in January 2011, so we're not yet three years into the project and um, you know we're learning as we go really um, and some of it's quite su surprising and some of it is exactly as you as you sort of imagine. Um, also the research about young people in the news media is not extensive. So it's also interesting because we're working on our feedback on a few really quite interesting and insightful studies which I will draw to your attention for anyone who you know, wants to pursue, pursue the subject further. Um, so um, I should take you through uh, what we do. We started in January 2011 um, and the idea was, um, really, the man I work for, Richard Ellis, he's a former editor of the Express newspaper, and he has five children. And uh, he partly noticed, as his children, who are a wide variety of ages, uh, were growing up, that they didn't have much to talk about uh, at the dinner table. <laughs> so that was partly his motivation for thinking about uh, you know, young people and their awareness of what's going on in the world around them. I, as John mentioned, I know John because we were at the FT at the same time, um, as was Richard Ellis, who I worked for. Um, and I was actually the paper's education correspondent for a while, so I became very, very interested, particularly in the British education system, but also in <coughs> how the education system is in a bit of a sort of mismatch with what young people need more broadly. So that also is partly why uh, I'm involved in this project because um, it is about experimenting with news media, but it's also about uh, how information and journalism fits in with democracy in its broadest sense, really, because this coming generation of people, aged 11 to 18, that we're trying to interest in the world around them, are also the voters of the future, and uh, you know, we hope some of the world, the world leaders of the future, so um, there's a sort of mission there as well. So. Um, <clears throat> We are, first of all, what we do, we publish every day uh, that British schools uh, are operational. In British school holidays, we publish slightly less, but still every day. Um, this is because I'm delighted to tell you that we have 32 countries 
using the site now. It's going to be 32 countries. The latest recruit was from uh, uh, Laos. But we have uh, quite a few schools in India, a cluster of schools in South Africa who are very, very enthusiastic users of what we do. Um, some in other parts of Europe. None at all in America at the moment. None at all in Australia. So this is also interesting. Sort of different, you know, the different appetites in the English-speaking world. They have their own very particular media cultures, and it turns out they're particular educational cultures, and they don't want what we're providing at the moment. But we'll see. We can track that. Um, anyway, so we publish uh, every school day in the UK. We do uh, two, on average, two fresh news stories every day. Uh, this, this morning we led with Turkey, but we've also got a sort of science story. Uh, I'll explain later how popular the science stories are and, and why. Um, and then from, 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 from earlier in the week we've got the political scandal about lobbying. Mali, how music is coming back to Mali. Some Syria there. It's, a, it's more of an international selection here because it's just been the British schools half term. So when British schools are not, are not uh, operational, we tend to have much more international stories, as you'll see. Um, now, we also, so what we, what we do is we, we actually sort of sort things. We've got this sort of rather more conventional news definitions across the top here. But we also file the stories that we write by classroom subject, because our service is actually delivered through the schools. So the way that we work is that the school subscribes. So we have 700 odd secondary schools now subscribing. Um, and the vast majority of them use it as a teaching tool in the classroom. There's actually um, many ways now in which a school can impress the Austin inspectors by doing current affairs because it has so many sort of knock-on benefits, which I'll go into in a bit, including literacy um, and something which they call social moral, cultural... Personal, social and... No, no, that, no, that's, change. So, that's no, this is, no, this is something else. Okay. Okay. I, think it's very confusing. I think it's social, moral, cultural and spiritual. Okay. So, and, 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 you know, the way that you can explore that through current affairs is quite interesting to schools and that would impressive the often inspectors. So, um, but I will show you how we do the stories because it's something very particular that we do. So it's not reporting. And it's not sort of a conventional news story. What we do is we try and have an, you know, an engaging headline and, and stand first that draws you into a sort of issue or dilemma behind the news story. This is because what we are trying to do with our news product is to get them debating with each other and get them discussing. This is absolutely crucial. We are not doing a moving news site for young people. We are doing an analysis and debate site about what's in that day's day news. Um, so if you um, are tempted to talk, if you look at our stories, what you'll find is we explain, we give as much context as we possibly can, and then we always end with um, a coda, with a, with a, with a, a sort of crosshead here, heartbeats has been the crosshead, and our coda at the end. It's not really a conclusion, it's an on the one hand, on the other hand. And we also then add to it this little thing here. Some people say, so I'll quote today, it's music is the language of God, about this resurgence of music in Mali. 
and we add these debating questions, activities. With, the idea is that one of them is relatively easy, and one of them is a lot more sophisticated, both the debating questions and the activity activities. And then we provide a sort of glossary of terms, which is the word watch, but it's, it's not really a dictionary, it's background and context. And we allow ourselves to be a bit jokey sometimes there. Just a bit, you know. Um, and we do a Q&A because um, I can tell you, having visited a number of our schools now, that what's going to interest a 13-year-old in uh, the Lancastrian town of Preston on a wet Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> it may be quite uh, a tough, tough task for the teacher to uh, convince them. Actually, probably less so with this story about music. But so our Q and A is basically supposed to say, "Why should I care about this? What's this got to do with me?" You know. Um, and then you can introduce either a direct link or uh, a link to the story that they might not have thought, thought of, or some sort of parallel about their daily lives or their own dilemmas. So it's, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes I write a Q&A one of these stories and I think, how can I possibly have tried to convince anyone you know, that the Lord's not being scammed and got an impact on them? But you know, usually you can find some way in which um, there's a, at least a parallel with their own sort of dilemmas. Um, and then, you know, this, this some people say, sometimes we make them quite poetic, or if you find, for example, um, you know, if you find a quote by some great thinker or scientist that fits the bill, you're very happy that day. But equally, you can, you can invent one that's supposed to evoke a sort of gut reaction so that everyone in the class thinks, oh yeah, I absolutely agree with that, and here's why. Or, what an utterly ridiculous statement. <coughs> Um, <clears throat> so the uh, subjects then, we've, as I say, we, we follow the classroom subject, but what we find is that mainly, um, I mean it is used, used for classroom teaching particular subjects, for example, if you're a geography teacher in secondary school, so many things that are in the news are actually geography, and I don't just mean, you know, earthquakes and volcanoes, uh, you know, patterns of human migration, it's geography, you know, food, global food shortages, it's geography. And there are many, many ways in which they can use current affairs in that subject and many others to bring it to life. But actually, uh, we also find that what teachers really like is they like to do some current affairs in the mornings uh, as part of their tutor time or for assembly or that, that early part of the day, which has been a really sort of dead time in a lot of schools. And, uh, you know, it's great to, you know, have a discussion. Start, why not start the day discussing what's going on in the world and what you think about it? So, so that, that, that's, how, that's how we um, produce our, our content and how it's used. Uh, we've recently introduced a lot more visual stuff. So here we have news and news pictures, and this is everything from, you know, the great photographs that Chris Hadfield sent back from the International Space Station, Earth from Space, just amazing pictures, to you know, shots from the, the fantastic exhibition, I don't know if anyone's seen it, the great British Library show about propaganda art, um, to um, you know, yeah, the Salgado exhibition. That, I wish I'd never got involved with that anyway. It's very difficult to arrange rights with Salgado, I can tell you. Um, but you know, this one was wonderful. We got, we got this photographer in Rio taking these amazing pictures of the favelas. 
And that, again, you know, it's a fantastic discussion point. They're really beautiful pictures. But also, you know, there's going to be all these big sporting events next year, so there's the controversial clearances of some of the favelas. Um, and also, it's just an amazing story about sort of patterns of, patterns of human settlement. Anyway, so we, so we got far more this year. We started far more these sort of visual things. And again, we try and sort of have a, have a caption which gets you thinking about why you're actually looking at, looking at it. This, is, this was a result of, of, of very, very strong feedback from the teachers, which was that um, in the lower ability range, in terms of literacy and comprehension, it's incredibly helpful to um, you know, link some text that promotes debate to visual elements, because actually all of our stories are 400 words. You might think it's difficult to get an, an analysis of you know, what's happening in Turkey and why in 400 words it is, but a certain percentage of people are not going to make it anywhere near the end of that 400 words. So we've had to vary our content quite a bit accordingly. So there we are, so it's daily. Um, it's a lot more visual than it was because of feedback. Uh, we, around every story, promote this idea of a debate and activities, context, and also further research. We always give them lots of links to other materials for further research, and also so that teachers can use things like video in the, in the classroom. The other thing I'd like to just draw your attention to before I sort of discuss why we're doing all this is the infographics. So we have our own full-time artist and illustrator who's an infographic specialist. And she, she's a very, very entertainingly um, frosty Russian girl who is a genius, basically. She's so young. She came here from Siberia, lived in Gatwick for, for three months while she got herself onto an art course. And happily, we then found her and negotiated with the Home Office for her to stay. And we're very happy that we were able to do that because she's absolutely wonderful. So she does these great infographics with us now. It's amazing. If you visit a school and you see the teacher, Sort of, you know, having success with a certain proportion of the class discussing the story of the day. Quite often, if they're having a block, they'll go to the visuals, and really, it's extraordinary. It's, it's a whole different, you know. They're, they're, I mean, as we know, there are some people who think more visually anyway. But really, for young people, it, it, it opens up their appetite for the story. And since we do a lot of science, because that's happening in schools, that's. Um, something very, very important to our content, and all the feedback is that the infographics are a really important part of it. What she also does, and I'll try to get you a good example, a good recent example, is she does cartoony type illustrations, which is also good because it introduces a certain element of humour, but also it's very. Um, I've watched teachers spend a half hour class discussing a story about the state of the economy. Uh, and it's how it's not in convergence with the rest of the EU's economy. And there'll have been a cartoon, a, you know, a cartoon of you know Britain across a gulf with a tightrope and all of this. And they'll have spent 20 minutes discussing the visual metaphor. It's really interesting because it's it's something that, that we as newspaper consumers we take this idea totally for granted. This idea that with a piece of analysis. You also have it accompanied with a visual metaphor, which sort of deepens your understanding of the dilemma that's behind the news. And it's all about bringing out the dilemmas behind the news and the issue. Um, and often the 
ethical questions as well as the uh, you know political questions uh, that, that might be might be sort of more obvious to us. So um, so that's our that's our um, our product. And as I said, we go we, we, we cater for the whole age range of eleven to eighteen. That's quite tricky, as you can imagine, because um, what might engage a right 12-year-old uh, or a less engaged 17-year-old is not the same thing that, you know, would you know, it's really, really difficult actually. And also the ability range within age groups and then across that is, is, is quite considerable. So again, what we try to do is we try to make sure the lead story every day is something really serious uh, that could justify its top slot in almost any news organisation. But then we'll always try to provide something else a bit more quirky, whether that's science or the arts or um, a new book. We quite often do uh, a story about a thought-provoking new book or a movie. You know, we did a story about Gatsby because it's an obvious one for us because it's an English literature set te text. So they've all got to write about, about, about Gatsby this term in their exam anyway, so they might as well sort of explore with us, um, you know, whether the movie is a obscures the message of the book or not or not. Um, so why why are we doing this? So what what what, what is the reason behind behind the day? So there are news I've separated into news media reasons and sort of social reasons for our existence. News media uh, reasons. Uh, there is interesting very interesting research about teenagers and the news in the online era. Uh, very, very much sort of feeds into this uh, Rolf de Belli book that was published recently, which I'm, I imagine you probably all discussed it far more than I, than I have with each other. You know, this idea that... No, we haven't. Yeah, have you not? Have you not? Okay. So this is, this is the chap who thinks we should all just stop paying attention to the news completely. And that um, it's, it's like, a, you like you get a sugar rush from news. It's unhealthy. It's not a proper diet. So I should be better if we all just stopped consuming the news. Who's this horrible person? Yeah, I know. <laughs> he, he must be stopped, John. <laughs> He's called Rolf de Belli, um, and um, he, he yeah he published his book in March, and um, yes, I know it's, it's it's very wrong, but. Um, <laughs> But actually, I'm sure you will all share my experience, which is actually you meet a lot of people these days yeah. who just say, I've stopped, I've just stopped, I've stopped paying attention to the news, I can't stand it, it makes me feel ill, <laughs> you know, enough. Um, so, um, what, what this, there's a very interesting paper, which I can give anyone the details on if they want to follow it up. Um, uh, Northwestern University in Chicago did a study in 2008 about teenagers and online news, and it found various interesting things, but one of them is that um, consuming online news, particularly in an area where with constant updates and 24-hour uh, television stations replaying clips all the time, is extremely stressful uh, and anxiety-inducing uh, for people in that age group, uh, even more than for the, <laughs> for the, rest, for the rest of us. Um, teenagers are on a sort of you know voyage of self-discovery. They're very sensitive to suggestions about the, about peril uh, and the idea that the world is a dangerous place. And unfortunately, um, they respond to this constant update dates culture in television and online news quite negatively. What what you tend to get is you tend to get a pattern of sort of confusion, 
stress and anxiety, and then if you're not careful, switch off and apathy. And so one of the things that we and people like us are trying to do is trying to sort of intervene in that negative cycle and reverse it into something more positive to do with engagement. Um, and even that ghastly word, empowerment. Um, so yeah, so our news media reasons for existing. One, there's this idea that actually for teenagers, rolling news as it exists is, is, is actually quite distressing to them. Um, there's also, um, uh, in this study and in another, another study, what they come up with is actually that they want context and they want analysis. They can get information, they get more information than they want to about the news, which they're not, by the way, particularly interested in, unless they're a small minority. But the yeah, information is there for them. They, get, they, they, they want context and they want analysis. because So one of our challenges every day, and sometimes it really <laughs> can be a hard day at the office, I must say, is you can't, you know, with, with a teenager, you, you, so you can't assume background knowledge. You can just about assume in the UK that if you say David Cameron, it's okay to put comma the British Prime Minister comma three sentences later. But you know that might be just about it. So you can't assume background knowledge. Plus, they want more context than the ordinary reader because that's what they value. So you've got to sort of situate the news for them, but you can't patronise them because you know you patronise a teenager, you've, you've lost them pretty much forever. So they, they, have a, they have a level of sophistication that you have to cater to, but they need a lot, lot, lot more background and, con and context. Um, and that comes out of the available research that, 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 that we actually have, which is, as I say, pretty minimal. Um, the other thing that comes out in the research about young people in the news is, um, uh, as with a lot of media, you know, they, they want to get the information and the analysis that they want, they want to get it from a trusted source. So um, we are, you know, there's now a huge backlash in schools against kind of Wikipedia culture. Schools are very nervous about Wikipedia. So the fact that we are, you know, national news journalists who set this up and they're paying for it, so we owe them accuracy and all the rest of it, they like that. Although there is a lot of free content out there, we, I mean, we're a paid for subscription service, so this is part of it. They want a trusted source for the kids to get their current affairs. Um, and also, uh, so, and, yeah, wiki horrors, wanting to avoid wiki horrors, you know. Um, but there's, but there's, there's also the other news, news media sort of reasons for our existence. Um, I sort of, I'm going to gloss over slightly because we're not doing them all, we're not responding to them yet, okay. So they want interactivity, also they say, personalisation. So should we perhaps make our site a bit more, you know, so you make a little area where you collect your favourite stories? Maybe, maybe we should think about that. Um, and then there's, a, there's obviously the whole, you know, wider rise of sort of, you know, citizen journalism and producing your own content and social media. So because our services is, is mainly provided through schools, that hasn't happened so much. But anyway, we don't yet know which of these are going to turn out to be more important. We also don't know whether there's a trade-off between the trusted source uh, strength, and then the whole sort of community uh, you know, sub-created content thing. So at the moment, we haven't really worked out which way to go, which way to go on that. So <clears throat> those are our sort of news media re reasons for experimenting with this, with this age group. 
um, but also, so, but our sort of social slash political reasons for existing is really we think this is a kind of you know an apple a day for your health thing really, particularly since we find that the schools like to come in in the morning and say so you know. Have you read about this 3D printed gun then? Do you think that's all right? Do you think it should be okay to print a gun? And, you know, we have gun control here, not in the States. It's failed again. What do you think about that? So it's really this principle that discussing current affairs every day builds all sorts of virtues. Um, and that is because we know that there are various problems that need addressing. In the UK, um, I suppose you could call what we're trying to do filling sort of gaps in cultural capital, you know, there are lots of families where it would be natural to sit around the dinner table or sit around the breakfast table and discuss what's going on in the world. But there are lots where it's not. And um, if you put the kids from one of those families against the other, at, for example, an Oxford entrance interview, you'll probably find they have very different reactions from the admissions tutors if they can't talk about what's going on in the world. Um, there's also this idea of the need for global citizens. Um, you know, it's, it's all very well. I mean, I, sometimes when I come to work on Tuesday in the morning, I see a lot of school kids coming in and reading the, the Metro. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. They, they, they all read the Metro because it's free and it's there. Um, but they need more. You know, they need to understand what's going on in the rest of the world. So a lot of it is to do with, for the British kids, trying to make them more international in their outlook. That's a really, really important part for us of what we're trying to do. Um, but also, it does address literacy problems, and this, this idea of news uh, and literacy is, is very interesting. There was, a, there was a, an OECD report which showed, on a quote, students whose parents discuss political or social issues with them scored 28 points higher in reading. You might think that that's a bit suspicious because isn't it just a correlation, not, not a cause. Even when you adjust for socioeconomic background factors, the advantage remains at 16 score points higher, and it's seen in all the participating OECD countries. So this idea that you discuss and debate current affairs and it actually builds, uh, you know, literacy and ability across uh, all your schoolwork is is very real. And there are some other studies emerging now about that as well. Um, employability, uh, you know, this idea of being a citizen of the world, um, international awareness, very important for employability, and lastly. We touched on earlier uh, our young voters. Are they properly informed? You know, we've got really interesting things happening in the UK at the moment. Next year in Scotland, there's going to be this referendum on whether the Scotland should separate from, from the rest of the UK, and they're going to give the vote for the first time to 16 and 17 year olds. You know, this is a really big deal, right? It's a really, really big deal. Um, and a couple of the schools I've visited recently, you know, we've had a show of hands, you know, would you, who are 16 in the room, would you actually like to be able to vote in the next general election? Their views are quite mixed and quite interesting. And lots of them say, I just wouldn't know what to do. I'm not remotely informed. You know, if we're going to go down this route of having the vote for 16 and 17 year olds, we really have to think about making them informed participants in, uh, in our democracy. So um, those are our sort of mission reasons why we exist, apart from to try and uh, turn a profit. And so I should probably tell you that this, this idea, this market for news for teenagers, it, it is quite new and it is quite experimental. So there's us, and we cater to the 11 to 18 secondary school uh, age group, but we are unusual because we go through the schools and we're daily. And also, we're unusual because we do make this huge focus on the de debating, discussing, 
looking at the ethical dilemma, which nobody else actually currently does. But there, there have always been quite good BBC things. There's a BBC, BBC News Round, which I grew up on when I was a child. It's still there, and it's very good TV news, but it is for young, the younger age group, and a lot of it's about animals. It's very nice. There's <laughs> a lot of animal stories, you know, which also get a lot of hits on our website, I should tell you. Just so people know, yeah. I mean, it's a nightly, after, every afternoon. That, yeah, every, after, every afternoon in the, in the sort of um, till 6 p.m. children's uh, hours on, on, on BBC One, there's this program called BBC News Round, presented by very lively young presenters and they do news for young people, they do about three stories every night and you can bet your bottom dollar one of them will be about a cute animal or an animal in peril and here's what you can do to say that. Which is great, you know, it's great, I'm not knocking it. But you know, they also do very, very good series. They did a fantastic actually series of films about Afghan children and how the how the war has affected the life of children. So, you know, it has it has it has depth it's very good actually news now but it's very very young age group. And then there's another uh, organisation which is quite interesting called First News. They're a paper product, they're a week, weekly paper tabloid and they're principally primary schools but they're very successful and they had ABC audited circulation uh, last year, uh, 62,000 copies and it was in fact founded by Piers Morgan. So there you go. It's not all bad. No, it's not all bad. Um, but, but, but you see, but, so they did a survey, and 87% of the teachers who take first news say it helps to improve literacy. Because there is this thing that um, also the reluctant readers, a lot of whom are the boys in that crucial age group, 11 to 14, where they can get disengaged from education and they're lost forever, if you get them interested in reading news stories, they will actually read. It's, it's really quite important for that, for that, uh, for that, that purpose. Um, other examples, there, is, there are a couple of things in America going on. The New York Times has something on their website called the Learning Network, which is, um, yeah, it's sort of, it, 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 it feels very American to me. I mean, their lead story today is a controversial ad for Cheerios, and whether it's racist or not, or whether people object to it as racist or not, it's very, it's very American, but they're, they're trying to do a similar thing, which is lessons based around the New York Times content. Um, and interestingly, since I've been involved in this, when I sort of meet up with colleagues on other, from other newspapers who are still in the sort of Westminster politics world, almost every single one of them says, "Ah, oh, that's really interesting. Do you know what? We tried to do something like that at our paper. And we all think, really think of doing that. And we didn't know whether to have a section in the paper that was for young people, and we didn't know whether to try and go through schools, and we didn't know whether to have an online TV. Anyway, everyone in Fleet Street has thought about this, because everybody knows that the readers of tomorrow aren't really there at the moment, or might not be, unless we work out what it is they want. So I think that's quite interesting, you know, that we found out that lots of things like us have not happened. Anyway, there we are. We're trying it. Um, so I should tell you probably what we have discovered so far. Okay. So what we've discovered is, uh, we, first of all, very basic stuff. Which stories are popular, and which stories don't work, and which are, are useful. Um, when we started, so we started in January 2011, and then all of a sudden it was the Arab Spring, and it was fantastic, and they loved it. They absolutely loved it, and they couldn't get enough. You know about the streets of Cairo being filled with idealistic students 
Uh, and so who were these dictators then? And, you know, what's this, what is the Middle East? Isn't that just Israel and Palestine? You know, it was, they really, really, really lapped up, not just the kind of excitement of the, you know, youth-led revolutions in this part of the world where the population is so young anyway. They were also really interested in the background, really interested in the, in the sort of dilemmas behind it. So that worked really, really well as a, as a sort of initial thing that we did as a strand. When um, Japan was hit by the earthquake, tsunami, nuclear disaster, that also um, was incredibly popular, um, partly because uh, the kids were so distressed by the stories coming out of Japan. Um, and although obviously Japan is a very different culture to the UK, you know, the, the, the site of an indu you know, highly industrialised nation facing this enormous uh, challenge was, was, was very distressing. So all the schools were doing special assemblies. They wanted it to have it explained to them. So you not only have to explain, you know, what is a tsunami? What's really going on with this nuclear plant? But also they loved the stories about, uh, you know, what does this show about the Japanese character? You know, the sort of st national stoicism that everyone was noticing. noticing. They, they, they absolutely lapped that up. Um, Libya, forget it. I mean, you know, we did, we tried to explain what was going on in Libya every time there was a dis development that needed to, no, forget it. I mean, just nobody wanted to use those stories at all. And we couldn't really work out whether it was because the military intervention was quite sort of ad hoc, or whether it was, teachers felt it was too controversial, or whether they just didn't you know, whether it was too complicated. That one was just bombed, bombed completely. Just to make yeah. clear, was yeah. that the, uh, is the opinion that of the teachers, we, we don't want Libya, or that of the, of the school kids? Or is well, it both? All we, can, all we can measure is usage and feedback. So the teachers so make if, the decisions, though? Yeah, they do, well, they do, but they respond. Most day schools, it'll be the decision of the teacher, so what should we, which of these should we discuss today? Mm. Uh, we've got quite a lot of boarding schools who subscribe and they tend to share it with the whole student population and then then you get quite a lot more interaction actually with the kids themselves um, but but most of the most of the um, most of the schools who are good users of the service share the password and login and everything with 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 any kid any kid that's interested so you can tell you know, by the hit, the hit numbers and also by the comments that we get what's, what's popular. But yes, in terms of what actually gets used as a subject for, for a whole class, that would be the teacher, that would be the teacher decided. Um, UK politics, very, very difficult to get people to to use it. Really, really difficult. I mean, the you know, I mean it's my pet subject, UK politics, so I try really hard all the time to think, you know, okay, well, we'll do I mean, okay, so you plebgate. That got a lot of use because you know name calling is a great subject anyway. When is an insult not an insult? Is it this, what is this strange Latinate word anyway that's, that may or may not have been bandied about, bandied about? Stories like that you can have a lot of fun with, and actually they will then be interested to work out why all the front pages are banging on about something that seems relatively. This was the story in case I'm one or two puzzled looks. Yes, uh, Where where. Um, a government cabinet minister was alleged to have called a policeman a pleb, uh, i.e., uh, what do you call it? A commoner. A commoner. A common, common fellow. <laughs> um, 
he does, he's not clear if he did or not. But Indeed, uh, yes. Um, so, or for example, you know, if we do a piece about, you know, Boris Johnson, is he really wanting to be the next Tory leader? And then you can sort of go into, you know, the personality of this unusual chap who's also a classicist and, you know, is he getting above himself? It's more of a personality piece. Then you can have fun with it. A sort of a straight up and down UK politics story, really, really difficult. Having said that, when there was a, a referendum about whether the British voting system should be changed to uh, uh, away from first past the post, we did a sort of classic, you know, the pros and the cons. This is happening today. The country is going to, to, to the polls to decide. What do you think? And that, that, that was an absolute sort of soar away success. So if there's a particular overriding political issue which needs to be explained, then they use it. But, you know, the sort of general Westminster, hopeless, absolutely, absolutely hopeless. Um, uh, science, amazingly popular. They love science stories. And they also really like um, what you would call the PSHE, personal social health and economic education which is a subject that has to be taught in schools, um, has to be taught in state secondary schools and this, this, this encompasses everything from, you know, healthy diet, obesity, the importance of taking exercise, uh, sex education, relationships, working out your own finances. It's a hugely broad range of topics that they're supposed to discuss in schools. Lots of them don't know how to do it very well. Lots of them don't have special teachers, specialist teachers. Lots of things in the news, obviously, are actually perfect for discussing uh, these topics. You know, bullying, for example, you know, when, when Jessica Ennis, the Olympic sports star, revealed that she'd been bullied at school, you know, it's a great opportunity to discuss bullying. We've got this new film that's coming out about these teenage burglars, you know, who are obsessed with celebrities. Great, great topic, actually, either for PSHE, all for religious, all for religious studies and ethics. You know, which religious studies has become extremely broad in British schools now. You know, it's basically a discussion of morality as well as a discussion of different, different religions. So you can, um, uh, you know, you can sort of have a problem with that. Um, <clears throat> so there we are. It's quite interesting what, what's popular and what's and, and, and what's useful, but. You know, when we talk, I was talking, saying it earlier that, that part of the mission is this idea to actually produce informed, for informed citizenry. I think if you're quite careful about it, you, you can't make it. Children, you must eat your vegetables, and you must pay attention to this because it's extremely important. You do have to try, you know, respond connect. to what works and what connects. Exactly, exactly. Although, obviously, as you can see, we're writing stories about Turkey. We're not making many compromises this week. Madame, um, can I yeah. bring you to a close for the moment? Yes, then, of course. Because we've, we're a little trapped for time, and I wanted a, a number of people to come in because I know there'd be a lot of interest in it. So, so many thanks for.